like sweet morning dew I took one look at you And it was plain to see You were my destiny With arms open wide I threw away my pride I'll sacrifice for you Dedicate my life to you Good evening, Jennifer. Good evening, Josh. Welcome to the Gleeful Podcast with Josh and Annette. I'm Josh. And I'm Jen. Annette is not able to join us tonight, though he might uh, be leaving us a voicemail, I hope, or at least I asked him to. Uh, Everybody in the chat room, welcome. If you can hear us in the chat room, please let me know. Uh, (laughs) No one's saying anything, and it's vaguely concerning. Uh, Let's see. I'm going to refresh the chat room. Hopefully, uh, I just lost my feet or something. I did. Phew. Um, oh, wait, no. So anyway, <laughs> it's still quiet in the chat room. Uh, but uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us. We are back to discuss the latest episode of Glee entitled I Do. Uh, you can find us online at GleefulPodcast.com, on Twitter at GleefulPodcast. I'm a Josh Brunel. She's at Jenny B. Creative. He's at Edward Giordano. Jennifer. Yeah? How you doing tonight? I'm doing all right. Good. about yourself uh good good no i had a i had a fantastic meeting today i don't think anybody in my day job listens to the podcast uh, <laughs> i was just thinking that uh no i had an absolutely lovely meeting um and uh i and so it was a very good day and i had a nice lunch and i got a haircut so and it looks know. good thank you thank you uh and uh so we're gonna talk about i do tonight and um, we have lots of voicemails, and we have lots of songs to listen to, so it should be plenty of fun. I don't know why I'm selling the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is an indicator of how you feel about the episode. Thank you. Everybody tune in. We're going to have some fun tonight. <laughs> don't leave us. Whatever you're doing right now, if you're on the treadmill, if you're in your car, if you're pretending to do homework, just keep doing that. Uh, on on um, Greg Proop's podcast, at a certain point, he likes to say, I think this is a good time to pour yourself a very large drink because we're about <laughs> to get into it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's kind of great. Anyway, uh, well, let's talk about I Do, um, unless there's anything else to get into. We're uh, so behind on all of our other TV shows. Oh, my goodness. I don't even know. Yeah. I don't even I don't even know anymore how far behind we are. We're but like I'm an okay episode behind on everything. But I'm okay with it. I really every now and then I just kind of need to step away and focus on life. <laughs> we're up to I think the only shows we're up to date on are Community in the <clears throat> Office and Parks and Recreation. Uh oh, because they're it? right next to each other. That's true. And, and well, and um, uh, my favorite uh, my favorite show on television, How Much Mother. We're always Aww. up to date on How Much Mother. Yes, even though I missed half the season. But I heard yeah. it didn't do much. Didn't um, miss anything at didn't all. Didn't miss much. Bit yes. of an awkward season. Uh, but no, yes, we, we, we're, uh, we're kind of behind on most things. We're behind on Walking Dead. We're behind on the following. But uh, I am watching Supernatural on, Yay, Josh. on Netflix. 
So, because uh, my manager keeps saying, give me the next Supernatural. And I'm like, I've never seen that show. <laughs> it hasn't so, gone away yet. It keeps yes, getting renewed. So, yes, but Supernatural, like I always say, Supernatural is like the guy in office space that is in the basement with the stapler. He mm-hmm. got fired years ago, but he just keeps showing up to work. Yeah. That's yeah. how I feel about Supernatural. Uh, the, there were the um, Oscars were last night. We can, we, there were there wasn't really a Glee representation at the Oscars. <clears throat> no. Other than no. some musical numbers, I <clears throat> we didn't talk about this, but we can go ahead and talk about it now while we kill time before we actually start talking about Glee. I did not like the "We Saw Your Boobs" number. I'm shocked. Which I know you enjoyed. It has boobies in it. I mean, no. I'm a big fan of boobs. I'm like... I'm I'm surprised. I thought you would have loved that song. You know, I kind of thought it was a a little too mean. And um, some of the movies he referenced where he said, like, we saw your boobs uh, were like rape scenes. And I found that to be a little uncomfortable. And so that was kind of disturbing. Like, he mentioned the accused and, like, boys don't cry. And that was a little odd. (laughs) Okay. Um... There you go. I guess I didn't catch all of the movie references as closely as you did. That's what I do. Alrighty. But you said the rest <clears throat> of the show was kind of, eh. It just, um, I found it to be, I found, that, found it to be even longer than usual. Absolutely no surprises. And I think some of the, the production choices were just questionable. I mean, nice enough, but just questionable and... um not on focus or on topic with you know the awards at hand so that was my issue with it yeah hmm well i watched a very good uh horror movie i brought home another one for you did you what'd you bring home stitches oh stitches the killer clown movie yeah but did you read what it's about no i just saw the cover (coughs) and showed a killer clown on the cover and i went well i'm gonna watch that well okay so (laughs) the the quick synopsis is uh, an 11 year old and his friends play a prank on a clown hired for his birthday party and he dies and he comes back uh like 10 years later. To get his revenge? To exact revenge. Killer clown. Love it. Love yes. it. I watched a very Stitches good movie. On Sur- video next month. I watched a surprisingly good movie called uh, Sound of My Voice. Very small. They shot it. Looks like literally around the corner, like a block wow. away. Speaking of around the corner, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, I'm driving home <laughs> from Office Depot tonight because, hold your applause. Um, I because I, I went to the office depot and as I'm driving home I almost get in a car accident a block from my house because as I'm turning onto our street literally the street we live on as I'm turning onto our street <laughs> I see Brad the piano man <laughs> walking around the corner of, of walking around our corner it was it was uncomfortable I kind of was a little embarrassed for Brad because I'm like you should be living in a nicer neighborhood maybe he lives on our street well, we see him at our movie theater. We see him I at mean, the movie theater. I mean, why is this not... A couple times. Why is this so surprising? <laughs> we live in a very hip, transitional neighborhood. <laughs> it's such a cute way to say there are rich people and poor people on the same block. <laughs> and they're saying they're... Anyhow. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about Glee. We have the episode I do to discuss. Uh, in the chat room, somebody just went, yeah, they're talking about other stuff. Uh, so, yeah, but let's talk a little bit about the episode I do. Uh, this was the web- wedding episode, and then it turned out to not be a wedding episode. Jennifer. 
Oh. What was your temperature? Oh. What was your grade? What would you give it? How'd you like I do? This is a tough one because it had some of my more favorite moments and some of my absolute least favorite moments. I found the show, the, this episode was just kind of awkward, but still fun at times. Um, I'd give it a B. Hmm. Solid B. I would probably go B minus. Okay. But still in B range. I, yeah. Th- th- I, there were things I liked about this episode and things I didn't. Exactly. I don't think that the episode was better than the sum of its parts. I think that it was almost a lot of kind of isolated moments and a lot of stuff that I don't think is going to factor in later in the season. Um, I don't (laughs) feel like I'm going to, uh, I don't feel like in following episodes, we're going to look back and be like, wow, this was the episode that turned everything around. Right. Um, It seemed like a lot of stuff that we're never going to see again. Quintana, I think we're probably never going to get mentioned again. It doesn't sound like we're going to see Allie ever again in the show, though. Maybe she'll come back, but I wouldn't be surprised if we never saw her again. Um, It, I, I felt like a kitchen sink episode to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I felt about it. It felt like they just had a ton of ideas. They threw them all in and cross your fingers. Um, Hopefully it all falls in in the middle. And it just kind of, it was just kind of a bunch of inconsequential events, I guess. Yeah. And even some of the, you know, bringing back some of the graduates. I mean, it was, it was cool to see Mercedes. And of course it would make sense that she would you know, be singing at the wedding. Mm-hmm. Though she did not attend the reception, apparently. She didn't attend the reception. <laughs> but who did? But Mike Chang. But he doesn't even get to say hi to anybody. And, you know, in, in all of Tina's soul searching and trying to figure out her role in life and her, her place in the universe. And she just doesn't even talk to him. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> we don't talk to our ex when we're at a prom-like <laughs> wedding reception for a wedding that didn't happen. It was a... Yeah, I think that, you know, there there was cool to have, you know, Mike come back and Mercedes come back. And, and you know, I loves me some Quinn and Santana. So it was fun to have everybody back. But it was definitely a lot of people in the house. There was a and, lot of stuff going on that they had to track. And yeah. uh, it was hard to keep, even as a viewer, it was kind of hard to keep everything down. I know a lot of people love this episode. And we're going to totally get to those voicemails in a minute. Um, because I know there's plenty of people that would like to weigh in on this one. Um, but yeah, I think that between the two of us, uh, neither of us were too enthusiastic about it, but we will definitely dive right in. Before we do, let's go ahead and take a listen to a song. Uh, I think we should start off discussing um, Finchel because they're the only couple I care about on the show. And so <laughs> I think we should definitely go ahead and start discussing Finchel. Uh, before we do, we'll take a listen to their solo. It's been a while since we got to hear them sing together, so that was super awesome. Uh, here's a bit of We've Got Tonight, performed by Leah Michelle and Corey Monteith here on the Gleeful Podcast. Don't include me Still here we are both of us lonely, longing for shelter from all that we see. Okay, let's pause right there for a second. I'm going to play those last couple ly- lyrics again, and you're going to imagine listening to this at a wedding. Shit. 
No, this is a lovely song. I do love it. Adore this song. I'm such a huge fanatical Bob Seger fan. And Kenny um, Rogers. Or- and and Kenny yeah. Rogers too. Oh, absolutely. Because <laughs> uh, I'm a nerd. But uh, <laughs> but no, Bob Seger. My God, like he wrote so many great songs. And yes. if you can be mature enough to ignore his political beliefs, uh, he's awesome. I mean, he's so freaking awesome. Uh, this to me just was not a wedding song. <laughs> I kept thinking of you told that story of your friends whose oh, wedding God. song was like Kryptonite by Three Doors Down. <laughs> no, no, no. They're um. Oh, good. What was it called? There was um. And, well, you also had friends who their wedding song was uh, "Loving You Is Easy" because you're beautiful. Yes, yes, <laughs> that was it. And he totally married a Barbie doll. So apparently, you know, she puts on weight or lets herself go a little. Yeah, it's not going to be as easy to love her. (laughs) I was shocked by that. But they were just like, oh, it's so sweet. (laughs) My cousin's wedding song was like a metal ballad. It was really strange. Remember? I think it was by like some 41 or something. Oh, I know. I was trying to think of what that song was the other day and I... Yeah, because there's another wedding coming up, and I can't even imagine what the song is going to be. Oh, my gosh. So, my cousin's wedding. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so th- this was – but I do love hearing their voices together. I think that they sound good together. I love me, Finchel. And, I I mean, this I thought was a really nice uh, moment. Finchel's storyline as a whole, though, in this episode, uh, we had them – you know, at first it seemed like they were antagonistic and then they kind of uh, came together for what was a bit of a one night stand, which may or may not prove to be more. Um, it was interesting because it seemed like it, it felt like this was really a Rachel storyline. Like, even though Finn was there, mm-hmm. it was really about Rachel. Like, she called all the shots in this plot line and she was the one who snuck out while he was still asleep. Yeah. So I found that to be kind of fascinating that um, he was just kind of there as a tool for Rachel to uh, to to be this, you know, this new Rachel that we have. You know, and the thing is, I realized in this episode, I don't like the new Rachel. And I know, you know, she had her diva moments before and supposedly she, you know, got called down on it and called out on it and it's supposed to be more grounded. But I just... I couldn't stand how patronize, patronizing and um, she <laughs> she was to him in the um, in the opening scene, and she just she talked to him but wasn't really listening, and she's like, "Oh, you know, just just be there for him," and then she walks away. And I just yeah. I, there's something about her I just don't like her. I don't I don't I don't care what happens to her right now. <laughs> I really don't. And and but when he was actually confronting her after she caught the bouquet, I was like, "Okay, I can get behind this Finn. I like yeah. I like assertive, confident Finn." That was one of the things that I did have a problem you and I discussed <clears throat> this while we were watching the episode the second time or your third time. Mm. Uh one of the things that killed me about this episode is it was written by Ian Brennan. Um so I don't know that I, I wonder if Ian Brennan hasn't gotten to a level on the writing staff where people just don't give him any guff at this point. But this felt like a first draft episode. A lot of the dialogue was so awkward. And yeah, and yeah there were total inconsistencies throughout it. I mean, we're, we've are we gotten used to, you know, character inconsistencies 
episode to episode. But within one episode, I just, yeah, <laughs> it was really hard. Yeah, you had you had said like Allie had a line. I don't remember what her character name. It was just but, so awkward. Yeah, she Benny. had a line where she was like, uh, uh, "I don't need you. I'm head cheerleader at my high school, and I have these." And Jen, and you were like, "All we needed to hear was head cheerleader." Yeah, and, and it, then you know, pointing to your <clears throat> boobs, like it did feel a little clumsy. There was another one that kind of killed me. The writer in me died when Quinn said, "I've never slow danced with a girl before." I like it. And I was like, I'm picturing the way someone wrote that on the page. And they were like, I never slowed in. So the parenthetical, I like it. You could have made that sound so much deeper and sweeter. And instead it was just kind of clumsy and clunky. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, like that aside, I really liked the, she loves me scene. She loves me. She loves me not. Yeah. The concept behind it was really good. And his con like, I was just frustrated because even though his he loves me, he loves me not was a cool conceit, a cool vehicle for the moment. Or she loved, wow. She loves me. She loves me not. Even yeah, though it was whatever. a cool vehicle for the moment, it kept breaking up the momentum of the conversation mm-hmm. for him to keep coming back to this. Like if he was just plucking, you know, uh, yeah. plucking off the pedals, mm-hmm. we would have gotten the point. He didn't need to keep saying it. So like we, it kept breaking up the momentum of what they were saying. That said, the whole thing was cool, and his whole, like, we're endgame, mm-hmm. that was a great, like, as a writer, I wanted to steal that line. Like, we're endgame was yeah. like, oh, that, like, gave me chills. It was such a good, you know, such a good line. So yeah. that made me really happy. And the yeah. intent of the scene was cool. Like you said, confident Finn has always been the best Finn. Yeah. I was, I was really impressed. And then I felt conflicted because I thought, well, what is he really fighting for here? She's kind of obnoxious. She's delusional. And I just don't really like her right now. Yeah. But this is my argument for Finchel. It always will be. I am the last last man on the Finchel Mountain. But this is the thing. (laughs) Is it? And I'm also a 32-year-old straight man who just said Finchel. Uh, But... (laughs) Shh. 33. Um, This is the thing. About Finchel is that the reason this relationship is interesting to me, um, Finn and Rachel, who on paper are totally incompatible. The reason that it worked in season one was Rachel saw a part of Finn that he did not see yet. That's why they were such a good couple. Rachel was going to him and saying, you have this performer inside you. You have this leader inside you. You have this this proud, powerful person inside you that you don't see yet. And that was why that relationship was so passionate and fun to watch in the first couple seasons and also kind of why it broke in the third season when they got too comfortable. By the time we get to now, what I'm fascinated about is they're kind of flipping it. In a way, Mm -hmm. Finn has become the man Rachel always thought he could be. And Rachel has become the worst version of herself. And Finn is the one saying, I know who you really are. I know this person that you're pretending to be is not who you really are. Mm -hmm. This is a character that you're playing because you want to look hip and cool and sophisticated. And I know I'm going to bring out the best part of you. Yeah. And they've kind and I really like that aspect of it. That said, I do think I'm thinking about this deeper than the writers are. <laughs> but <laughs> Oh, you for definitely a way, give it, it more thought works. than they do. Well, yeah. Uh, but in a way, I think that's a fascinating plot line to be addressing. Yeah. That concept of they've just switched places. 
Um, how mm. it's going to end up, I don't know. I mean, do I want to see the Finn character in New York? Honestly, I'd much rather see Mr. Like, I love the Glee Club without Mr. Schuster. I was the last fan of Mr. Schuster, and you guys have won me the heck over. I wow. love the Glee Club without Mr. Schuster. I mean, they've, <laughs> they've made it so clear that, you know, everything is just fine without him and, and somehow less creepy without him. And, I mean, again, I... I, I wish she had a, a, a greater role and a greater purpose, but as far as, you know, Sue turning into the, um, you know, the, the self-aware voice of ridiculousness of, you know, the situations yeah. at <laughs> hand. Her only purpose on the show. <laughs> I, I'm kind of like, okay, at least we know you guys aren't that clueless and, you know, what you're, what you're trying to get us to buy here. So... <laughs> Yeah, I can't see and I I can't see Finn leaving and um you know short of um you know Rachel having some irreparable, you know, vocal damage. I don't know how, you know, she's going to fit her big head back in Lima, Ohio. Yeah. I mean, I don't so, see how that relationship can work long term, right. at least within the confines of a TV show. In real right. life, I think Finn could go to New York and have a perfectly delightful life. On a TV show, I really would prefer he stay yeah. in Lima and continue yeah. to leave the Glee Club. Uh, and then we had Rachel go back to New York and the continuing annoyingness that is Brody. Um, now, yeah. apparently, Brody is a gigolo. Gigolo Brody. I could not, like... What of what value to this show is Brody as a gigolo? Brody as a bad boyfriend, as a conniving boyfriend, as As like a slut, yeah, yeah, as a slut, as like a violent up and or not violent, but like as a as an up and comer, you know, somebody who's like ambitious beyond all measure, and he's willing to take down anybody in his path. All of these things make good. Glee, yeah, but Brody as a gigolo is well, so like we threw darts at a dartboard and went meh. No, you see, the only thing I keep going back to, and I hope they don't try this, is that they're going to use that as it, it, to to find sympathy for him. We're going to find out that you oh, know God, his family right. went bankrupt and and he has no funding to stay in school, and this is what he had to do <laughs> because there are no waiter jobs. In New York City. Yeah, because no one wants to give money to an Nobody would hire utterly gorgeous person. Yeah, to, <laughs> you know, to, to you know, wait tables or 10 bar or, or working that singing restaurant, you know. Yeah. No, couldn't possibly. So, there you go. So, he had no choice. He could sell pictures of his abs for $10 and make more money than me. <laughs> Save him a lot more trouble. Yeah, he just needs a webcam. Exactly. And a decent, Done. you know. <laughs> Decent connection. You could just charge $30 to watch him take a shower and just like <laughs> pay for the semester. So, yeah. So I think it's all going to come back to that we're now supposed to feel sorry for him. That he's not he's not really bad. He's just, you know, forced into these situations. <laughs> it is. And uh, yeah, I mean, again, it was kind of like I say, this is a kitchen sink episode. I, yeah. I felt like this was one of those episodes where they threw a bunch of uh, dart a bunch of darts at a dartboard mm-hmm. that had plot lines on it, and they were like, "Okay, well, this is the one we're going with this week, and here we go." No. Bringing us to the uh, last storyline to close out our Fingerall conversation is Rachel, apparently pregnant. We think possibly pregnant. Possibly no. pregnant. Now you called it. I thought she was looking at his planner. 
and finding out he was a gigolo, but you called it. She was looking at her planner to figure out if she missed her period. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Which was funny, because when we were watching it the first time, I remember you saying, I don't think Brody would keep a planner. (laughs) I don't think he'd keep his appointments in there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it feel it felt so tacked on and so like oh this is not a plot line I want to spend multiple episodes yeah. with. Like, and the thing is, it like the, I mean, there's no ugh. way it could be Finn's. Yeah, well, yeah. T- I mean, in Glee time, maybe. Yeah. Because they did make a really specific point of telling us that she and Brody had sex before she left many times. Yeah, he was tired. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they made a really specific point of telling us that. So right. I honestly think that we're going to get a whole, I don't know who the baby daddy plot line is. Yeah. And if this is their vehicle by which they get her to move back to Lima, I will probably like burn down the trailer park. Um, it's not going <laughs> to. I'm sorry. I've been, uh, you know, I, I'm running out of anger metaphors. Okay. And so I went with a Billy Ray Cyrus song from the late oh. 90s. That's weird, right? Yeah. It's strange. It's very weird. <laughs> so, yeah, I, no, I can't do that. This is bad. Uh, I'll delete that. Part. I never would have got that. <laughs> um, no, I just, if this is like she has to move home because, of, because she's pregnant, it's like, oh, this is so not what the show that I want to watch. Yeah, it's that will only be value for the scene where she goes and tells her two gay dads, and it's like Jeff Go- or yeah Jeff Goldblum and Brian Stokes Mitchell just going, "This is not cool. <laughs> <laughs> this is so bad." <laughs> she should have stayed in Lima. And I don't, I, I don't, uh, you know, like Jeff Goldblum pacing back and forth, and then uh, you know, yeah. in my head, uh, oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why when I do Jeff Goldblum, he sounds like uh, Richard. Lewis. Lewis, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I got married, so that someone can finish the jokes I can. Well, let's talk a little bit about this wedding, but before we do, a little bit of company on Glee. Uh, Here is Getting Married Today. This is from the musical company. Uh, Largely performed by the beautiful Jamie Mays on the Gleeful Podcast. Husband joined to Emma, I can't find my shoes. Today is forever. This is the full version. Oh, Emma, I give you the rest of my life to cherish and to keep you, to honor you forever. Today is forever, my happily soon-to-be wife. We're really getting married. Part of me is everybody there because the February's there. I want to thank you all for coming to the wedding and appreciate you going even more. I mean, you must have lots of better things to do. Not a word of this to will remember William and the man I'm going to marry, but I'm not because I wouldn't run anyone as wonderful as he is. But I thank you all for the gifts and the flowers. Thank you all. Now it's back to the showers. Don't tell Will, but I'm not getting married today.
I can't find my good cufflinks. They're on the dresser, right next to my suicide note. <laughs> Listen, everybody, look, I don't know what you're waiting for a wedding. What's a wedding? It's a prehistoric So, I'm going to say something vaguely controversial. I don't actually think that's Amber Riley singing. I know she sings it, quote unquote, in the episode. Right. But oh, okay. that does not, that sounds like entirely a different person's voice. Like, there's no shade of that voice that I believe is coming out of Amber Riley's body. But it's sung in such a different style than she's ever performed. I mean, maybe she has more operatic ability than has ever been I don't, I just, before. I mean, that's such a dramatic falsetto. I mean, that's yes. a straight-up soprano line, and she's not a soprano. So unless she's some kind of, like, crazy... You know, like I don't know. I don't. I I can't believe it. So yeah. if that's if that is Amber Riley, if someone can prove to me that that's Amber Riley, <laughs> then she's my new damn hero. Well, but is she credited? She's well. Mercedes Jones is credited on the website, um, okay. and Glee has done. You know, I wouldn't put it past Glee to mix that up. They wanted to be <clears throat> involved, right? Um, but so this from Company. We've had one other song from Company, which is "Being Alive" from Small from Swan Song. Um, as I've said on the podcast before, Company is my favorite musical. Top of the gazillions I have on my iPod. Company <laughs> is absolutely my favorite musical. Maybe Oklahoma. They're neck and neck. Uh, but I listened to this one more. <laughs> Uh, Only because you played Curly. I did play Curly <laughs> in high school. Uh, and Oklahoma's a perfect Rogers and Hammerstein. It's the pinnacle oh, of Rogers and Hammerstein. It is. Come on now. It, they, that was their best. Um, that said, this didn't work for me. And I think it's like, I don't like when Glee does musical theater moments. I don't mind when they do musical theater songs, but I like when their songs are performance based. Mm-hmm. And when they do these otherworldly musical theater moments, it doesn't feel natural to me. And it feels kind of shoehorned in. And I feel that this this number lost a, the gross majority of the show's teenage viewers. Going, what the fuck are they doing? Like, this is so weird. Um, it didn't work for me. I was disappointed by it. And I... This is like my favorite moment in this episode. I mean, there again, there were some really fun performances. Actually, all the performances were really nice. It was the other stuff that got me confused. And um, yes, it was a good performance episode. Um, but I absolutely adored this, and I thought they did such a fantastic job doing all the you know the cuts and everything. And I'm, I'm sorry, we're still talking about Glee, and and you said <clears throat> it it didn't feel believable to you is that what the words you use yeah i you know if i said that i that's not what i meant no (laughs) i it didn't feel within the tone of glee yeah but this is exactly how i felt about when they did it's not over uh the dream girls number and when they did house is not a home which is another big kind of musical theater type moment like these are my least i don't feel like those moments work on glee I and I I think that this was absolutely perfect because I think if they just had, you know, I, I think they just they just had Emma having her freak out and Sue antagonizing her, which was very funny by the way. And, oh my! Well, that's the thing. <laughs> I mean, Sue's reactions or her lack of reaction yeah. to Emma as all of this is going on, I just thought it was all fantastic. I loved this. And I didn't expect her to really run out. So that was like... I didn't like, expect her to leave. I was like, ooh, that's big. And I didn't expect her to... Or I didn't expect us to finish the episode without finding her. 
Like I pretty, I was yeah. pretty certain that by the end of the episode, we would have located her and had an impromptu wedding at Breadsticks. Yeah. Uh, which would be amazing, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and had a quickie wedding just so that she could be like, I love you, Will. I love you. I always wanted to be your wife. I'm sorry that it all happened like this. Like, um, that's how, that's how they write dialogue too. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm not... <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm getting some insight into Josh's process here. But, <laughs> but I mean, there's no way that could happen. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> But now I'm going to be the one to say, we're talking about Glee, and you just <laughs> said there's no way that can happen. Good point. <laughs> so what did you think about it? Uh, I mean, she ran out. She didn't come back. Uh, what did you think about uh, Emma? I, you know... I, <laughs> it was funny because as I was watching this, I'm like, I kind of had little freak out moments, you know, the day we were getting married, but none of them had anything to do with you or the idea of marriage. It was the wedding, you know, it was, mm. you know, it was family. It was the wedding. It was hair and makeup, all that crazy stuff, but it wasn't the marriage part. So I thought should, I thought should come down from it and be okay but it's really hard i mean will hasn't been there for so long she's been dealing with all of this in her own little crazy you know bubble world <laughs> and and then she has the 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 burden of finn kissing her guilt and i i yeah i mean i i get it and honestly i think i don't see them getting back because wow. I just also I'm thinking you know it's like wow things were kind of nice without shoe around and yeah. what better way or easier way to get rid of him if he's not sticking around for her you know it's you know it's hard because I just I don't want to feel like all that time in season one was wasted <laughs> or season one and two um, so I and I do I like them together I like them as a couple uh, ideally the problem is is the way Shu is written he's the worst boyfriend in the world absolutely he's worst he's fiance, been the worst, worst teacher worst boyfriend forever yeah apparently he, he he sucks at everything and we're supposed to be sympathetic <laughs> I love how he's just like in the middle of his class oh look somebody's here to sing well I turn the floor over to you yeah students <laughs> are getting up and talking while I'm trying to give you an exam I got, I got none to do right now I'm good that's okay uh, right turn this one over <laughs> um I you know it's I like the ideal the idea of Will and, and Emma as a couple works for me. I think they're they're a good fit as characters and they're a good fit as people. The issue is yes, Will is written as such a douchebag on this show. And he's also written not only as a douchebag kind of as a person, but as a douchebag in like this is obviously a woman that you love and a woman that you recognize and mention constantly as having certain special needs. And yet you seem to take none of those special needs into account. I mean, if you knew Will Schuster, you'd be like, dude, what the hell? Like yeah, you'd, you'd be very annoyed by him as a person. The problem is the writers seem to love him and he's constantly portrayed in this very heroic stature. Even mm -hmm. in this episode, at no point did anybody call him on the carpet and be like, you have an OCD fiance whom you've left an entire wedding to plan while you run off to D.C. and go work for the State Department for mm -hmm. six months. Like, 
no one thought you know like at some point i really needed finn to be like dude you were a douchebag and you need to own up to that and fix this situation as much as you know emma running away and being crazy Mm -hmm. unfortunately yeah she's crazy and she's also clinical Mm -hmm. so we have to cut her a little bit of slack there Absolutely. <laughs> and give her a little bit of distance. So I really found Will to be largely at fault mm-hmm. in this situation. And that's my frustration. So I want to see them end up as a as a couple. I do think that it would be disappointing as a viewer and somebody who's followed this show from episode one to see them end up not as a couple, like to have them break up. Right. That said, if they got married and then Will went back to DC and we never saw him again, it would not break my heart. Yeah. I, they've never treated him well as a character. No, He's no, never, no. They've never written him in, in a heroic way. I mean, not nearly as heroic as they want us to feel that he is. Right. I mean, he was, he was the victim in season one. And so we rooted for him to... You know, to to find somebody that would you know love him and uh, you know be an equal with him, and we thought that was her. But then they've kind of written themselves into these corners yeah. that they they're gonna have, they'd have a hard time justifying, you yeah, know, making this whole thing happen. So I just hope that um, man, I wish they didn't get rid of Carl. <laughs> That I, I, I know you, though, and I have a hunch that every morning you wake up and be like, man, I wish they hadn't gotten rid of John Stamos. Like pretty much every show on television, because he has been on just about every show on television. You're just flipping channels and being like, this would be so much better with John Stamos. Yeah, I wish, God, I wish they didn't get rid of John Stamos. I wish they didn't stop running those Oikos. Oiko? Oiko? Oiko Greek yogurt commercials. <laughs> no, no. Honey, you have YouTube. They run them all day long. That is true. On I demand. I really watch a lot of YouTube. Um, but anyhow, I just, <laughs> yeah, she, I mean, you're you're so right. It was like, if, if he knew that his fiance was a recovering alcoholic and, you know, he abandoned her to do this and left her on her own and then you know found out that she was off the wagon it's like you're you're basically forcing her into that situation yeah and it, it's it's horrible to see so yeah I, I i will be shocked if they get them back together and the the thing is, like in the in the uh, chat room, Luna Bell fourteen just said Emma deserves better. And the thing is, is it it's two sides. I agree that Emma deserves better wholeheartedly. Do I agree that? Um, I don't know why I just said that like it was Hebrew. Wholeheartedly, I agree with <laughs> Emma deserves better. The thing is, is that I I think I want Will to be better for two reasons. One. Because I do think that ideally Will and Emma are the perfect fit as a couple. And two, I don't want to spend the time be meeting a new character four yeah. seasons into this show to be introduced with a new to a new uh, romantic foil for Emma and then have to like develop him as a character and then watch him be around. I'm happy for Emma to ride off into the sunset with Will to have their lives be perfect so I can spend more time with, with the other characters. Go on. Or she she could give up men just like uh, Quinn did and um, end up with Santana. On that note, let's move on to the <laughs> next topic of the show. Uh, but first, we will take a listen to Just Can't Get Enough. Uh, this largely was performed by Chris Colfer and Darren Chris. 
Oh gosh, you guys, I totally, I totally have a uh, uh, Harry Potter related story for you. Uh, so I'll tell that. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll tell that after we stop recording. So people I agree, Jen. Shoe seventeen. Uh, here is um, here is Chris Golfer and Darren Chris performing. Just can't get enough here on the Gleeful Podcast. And I just can't get enough. All the things you do to me and everything you say. Everyone loves this song. Uh, I love this song until I'm reminded that Depeche Mode did it. Why? <laughs> like if, if if I was like, hey Jennifer, who's saying Just Can't Get Enough? And you were like, Human League, I'd be like, I love that song. You're like, When in Rome, totally love that song. Like, big fan. Like, the second you're like, Depeche Mode, I'm like, Personal Jesus, Depeche Mode? Like, <laughs> like the most depressing that? electronica band of the 80s, Depeche Mode? Oh, please. <laughs> I'd, I'd give this song to New Order before I'd give it to Depeche Mode. <laughs> It was like they sat down. You're like so those, judgy. Those three depressed, angry British people. They sat down in a room and they and they had all their keyboards and they were like, "God, I want to be on the radio. It would be awesome if we made a gazillion dollars. What do you want to do? I don't know. Let's let's like do acid and write a song about how in love we are. Okay. <laughs> be awesome. I get it. We'll make a million dollars. Wow. Just can't get enough. Uh, this song is super. It was the perfect two people to do it. Absolutely. It was absolutely a blast. Um, but it brings us to the last topic we have to discuss about the episode I do. And I call this topic Naughty Time. Now, <laughs> this episode had some serious naughty time. Um, yeah. Oh, my God. I think there was more naughty time in this than there wasn't prom. There was more. Like, this was the... the there, this was a lot of like the uh, Ian Brennan going, please stop complaining that the same sex couples don't kiss enough. I'm going to have yeah. like two two sex scenes in the same episode and I'm going to have a Quintana. Please stop calling and me. And oh, a first night hookup, one night stand. Totally, totally. Oh, it was hilarious. Yeah. And then, yeah, he even got Allie and, and Artie in there. Which, what's up with Artie's wardrobe right now? It's... Just kind of bland and dorky. Yeah. Well, it's like all the... I don't remember like the top button and the vest yeah. as much. Like it's, it's it feels aggressively lazy. dorky right now. No. Well, he used to have the knit sweaters with the reindeer and the suspender. I mean, he's had some really weird stuff. I just... But. I remember it being more edgy towards hipster. Oh. Like more pushing towards hipster. And now maybe, maybe Kevin's just getting comfy i don't know uh, it's kind of strange uh, uh but so we had yeah we had some mad hookups in this episode uh we had ali and uh ali and ali and Artie. i don't remember her character's betty. name but it doesn't matter betty betty, betty and Artie. betty okay uh pretty sure it's betty she was a betty 
Um, so, so <laughs> I don't know. Wow. Was- Sorry. Every time a character's named Betty, I think of the episode of 90210, the original one, because I'm really old. Uh-huh. And they went surfing and they met this girl who I think her father was molesting her or something. And they were like, what's your name? She said, Betty. And then they find out later her name wasn't Betty. And she was like, no, nah, everybody just calls me Betty because I'm a Betty and I hang out at the beach. Don't ask me why I remember that. <laughs> right now, Michael David's going, I totally remember that episode. <laughs> <laughs> no one else does. Uh, but so, yes, we had uh, Betty and Artie. Um, Jennifer, what did you think of Artie's uh, paraplegic cook-up? Um, you know, I was a little surprised that they went there that quickly. Because, I mean, just because they're bonding over wheelchairs, I didn't, I don't know. It just seemed awfully quick and, and who got the oh it must have been her room because she was in from out of town and um yeah I mean I thought it was okay I mean we talked about how if she had won the Glee project how she'd be written in and, and as so a bitchy forth. character and yeah. yeah and you know I was like oh well you know and like how how are we going to introduce her to the school and and that sort of thing and um but yeah I mean I thought it was fun. I mean, I kind of liked their exchange when she's like, just roll the heck away or roll the hell away, whatever she said. Like, I mean, I kind of buy her as that person. See, I actually, my problem is exactly, is I feel exactly the opposite. I felt like she was playing bitchy. Mm -hmm. Whereas like in its inception, Glee gave us two perfectly wonderful bitchy characters in Santana and Quinn. Mm -hmm. And that both of those actresses don't have to, play bitchy they just kind of it becomes perfectly natural to them and you don't feel like they're being bitchy they're just being themselves that happen to be mean and Allie I felt was really like kind of laying it on like really affecting her voice and trying to be aggressively bitchy as opposed to just like this being a natural part of herself Luna Bell 14 in the chat room says they should have they should just have the Glee Project people use their real names on Glee seriously save me so much trouble I already had to learn their character names once in a (laughs) time in my life to learn yeah because they weren't they weren't people they were a character but um (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I thought it was I thought it was fine. I'd be curious to see um, how it would work. You know, if already had a girlfriend and like you know, like, yeah. a, like a serious girlfriend. I could. I mean, those aspects of it I really like. I like already having a girlfriend. Does she need to be a paraplegic girlfriend? I don't know about that. Um, it seems a little on the nose, to be quite yeah, frank. Like, I think I'd like to see her hook up with like. You know, Joe or something. Well, actually, that'd be kind of hilarious. Uh, but have her hook up with a character well, who's not paraplegic might be a little more within the the spirit, quote right. unquote, of Glee. But yeah, it's nice to see Artie get some. I mean, he deserves a little loving. It's been a while since Artie really had, you know, attention. Quite frankly, yeah, <laughs> no, I I agree. Uh, and then we also had uh, well, we had Quintana, so we might as well just dive right into Quintana. Uh, Quinn and Santana hooked up in this episode. Uh, it was totally Skinamax. <laughs> Anybody <laughs> who's an old ass man like me and uh, watched Cinemax after their best friend's parents went to bed. Um, 
That was a total Skinamax shot where like she falls back on the pillow and then you cut to the window and then there's like a slow pan down to the bed from the window and there's yeah. there's you know the the last of the candles is flaming out and uh it was such <laughs> but they're not touching that was a big thing Yeah it was so were... softcore uh, Yeah it it was it was interesting it was predictable I mean as soon as they ordered ordered drinks I was like oh well I think I even said to you, oh, Quintana. You did. You totally. Well, and what's funny is watching it again, they're at the bar. They order drinks. And then uh, Quinn says to Santana, she's like, you are rocking it in that red dress. But she does it in this way where she kind of pats her on the shoulder like like two bros at a party where they're like, yeah, yeah you know, it's, you're, looking, you're rocking that suit over there. And then <laughs> Santana, like with this brief moment of physical contact, suddenly goes, oh, really? What's on, little lady? Like, <laughs> Santana totally overtakes, yeah. overestimates that pat on the shoulder. And well, she ends up being right, but I just keep thinking in real life, that yeah. would have been spelled for disaster. Well, no, but I mean, okay, they'd been laying the ground. Oh, that was the other thing, too. They were really heavy-handed in this um, this episode. Because, I mean, it, it went back as far as the church when... Um, you know, Quinn is is uh, quoting Gloria Steinem and you know saying I'm done with men. Yeah, they They're were. Yeah, you're stupid. right. So I mean, like the whole thing has been totally. I don't know. I don't know. It was just. It was. It was pretty. It was pretty obvious and and not at all. Um, not at all surprised though. Them going as far as they did, I guess, was a little shocking. And I was like, yeah, two consenting adult women. Yeah. You know. <laughs> And that's, I just, yeah. They're and, 19, but okay. Well, they're of legal age. <laughs> it's, yeah, I'm just adult. I don't know if I'd go okay. to adult. <laughs> one's 25 and one's barely legal. Santana's currently squatting in an apartment in New York. Well, apparently that's the biggest loft apartment with the nicest uh, yard sale furniture ever. How many freaking people but, can you fit in that apartment? But yeah. I just, I mean... I think it was I think it was fun seeing them together, but this is another one where okay, I'm really going to have to really going to have to have a, you know, stretch my my brain and my sense of believability if I'm going to go along with this oh, yeah. as a reoccurring relationship. It also had one of the goofiest lines of the evening. I know it fits, but at the end she's like, "So what do we do now?" Well, you can dress and leave early, or we can make it a two-time thing. Bow bow I mean, really? I mean, it was so goofy. Uh, And then, of course, we had the the clean hookup first in the backseat of a Prius, which, by the way, had two great lines. If I knew I was going to hook up in the back of a Prius, I would have brought a change of clothes. That is a great freaking line. (laughs) The other great line that came out of that Uh, is he said, we're just bros helping each other out. He said, I love it when you talk fratty. That, like, (laughs) I wanted to print that out and put it on my wall. That was a great freaking line. Um, So Clayton is hooking up, relax now, and obviously... Uh, Blaine thinks this is a way in and Kurt is saying no this is just what I do now which he actually is again I struggle with the believability but it feels vaguely more believable than Rachel for some reason well yeah because I mean he's only just started dating Adam Adam and it and Adam hasn't moved in yet which will probably happen (laughs) next episode the way these kids live (laughs) 
<laughs> wow. <laughs> Very soon, much of Niata is going to live in that apartment. <laughs> seriously. They're going to they're gonna have like the, I don't know, like the house mother on Facts of Life in there any day now. <laughs> There's just all these random kids. That was a really <laughs> bad pull. But I didn't. I got it. I knew no, what it was. No, no. You're sweet. <laughs> That's why I married you. Um, yeah. I mean, I... I like seeing them together. I think they're really good. And, like, I get them as friends and lovers. Like, I, I get, I, I totally buy their relationship in every level. Mm-hmm. Whereas right now I'm having a hard time seeing, you know, Rachel and Finn as friends because I just, I don't think she's that likable person right now. Well, but, and because every episode she says, I don't think we should talk again. Yeah, that too. <laughs> but I really, I, I like the two of them together. And, I mean, and... Okay, Blaine wasn't as forceful and direct as Finn in saying, you know, we're meant to be together. But he put it out there, and, you know, I liked that. <laughs> I, I liked that, and, you know, and I and I get it. I mean, again, you know, Kurt hasn't had much experience. and not, I'm not saying, like, Blaine has had, you know, crazy experience, but Blaine has had more experience. And But I think that's a struggle I'm having is that, Like when Rachel was saying, hey, I'm sophisticated New York, sex in the city, blah, 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 Um, which, by the way, women of America, if at any point you say like they do it on sex in the city, just punch yourself in the face. Like you should just (laughs) right in that moment be like, what did I just say? And then punch yourself in the face. You should never in any way, shape or form look to sex in the city for any kind of template. Yeah. For for activity. Yeah. But um, when she was saying that. Or any sort of justification for what you're doing, because if. (laughs) That's your moral compass. We got some problems. Yeah. Uh, the issue is when Rachel was saying that, I to- we all knew she was joking. Like, or not joking, but we all knew she was faking. We all knew that Kidding this was herself. a part that Rachel is trying to play right now. When Kurt was saying, you know, at the end of his hookup with Blaine and Blaine's like, you know, this means like you totally feel for me. I totally think this means we're getting back together. And Kurt's like, I'll meet you downstairs. And then exits out the back. Um, I didn't under, like are we supposed to think that he's also like I didn't know what his state of mind was in that moment and mm. for him to be playing this as a very kind of worldly um, I'm going to reference a much better show than Sex and the City Queers Folk uh, to be playing a much like more worldly Queers Folk type character um, I didn't I don't I haven't seen that in Kurt like I don't know that Kurt's mm. there yet and or if he's mm. trying to fool himself like Rachel he seemed very convincing <laughs> In the way he played that. So I didn't understand his state of mind at all. See, I took that as more, not not as, you know, supposedly worldly as, as Rachel and more open-minded and free love. I took it more as um, kind of a, a defense thing. He, he, you know, obviously he cares for Blaine. Obviously... They, you know, they still have something there. And, you know, the physical thing is always easy to side back into. But to me, I think that Kurt was just saying, well, I'm not, I'm not committing to the emotional. Hmm. And, and that's why he was then walking away. All right. Like, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get the impression that he was, you know, being a player and, and thinking, you know, I'm going to have one in New York and I'll have one here in Lima and I'm going to. You know, do my thing when I want to do my thing. And that's it, regardless of how anybody feels. Wiki, wiki, wiki. <laughs> so, yeah, I took that more as a um, more of a, um, 
uh, a guarded, uh, self-protective move. Hmm. Interesting. Well, that may uh, we a- shall again, see in the I weeks to come. I feel like I'm they sure. have more of a, a foundation <laughs> to fall back <laughs> on than the other two. Well, let's uh, let's listen to some voicemails, and as we do every week, we will start in Illinois. Hey, Jess, Jen, and Ed, and welcome, everyone, to Bizarro Glee, where the plots come way out of left field and have nearly no context. I feel like Ian, Brad, and Ryan were all just sitting in an office, and we're like, hey, let's look at some fan fiction to get some ideas. Hmm, <laughs> Rachel pregnancy plot. Sounds good. Brody secretly a prostitute? Makes sense. We'll go with it. Quinn and Santana will take it. I'll give you that Quinn and Santana felt really, really fanficky, but Brody being a prostitute seems completely believable and within his character though it may be too much creepy for one dude. And does someone need to be pregnant every season? This isn't Secret Life of the American Teenager. This is the exact same plot they did in season one. And they also seem to have trolled the internet because Finn officially declared him and Rachel endgame. There's no suspense then because they basically came out and said they'll be together by the end of the series. And though I found Sue in a wedding dress to be very contrived considering her beef is with Sue and not Emma, the payoff was great of her walking down the aisle, the reactions, and Sue's resignation when asking what she was doing. It was just pitch perfect. I'm convinced that Jake and Marley are the most boring couple on television. Could not care less. And Marley, when someone serenades you, you don't turn it into a duet. I know. When Ryder kissed Marley, I wasn't like, oh, no, Charlie. I was like, oh, no, the romance. Don't worry. I think the two of them will emerge from this plot line with a better relationship and a stronger understanding of one another. Jake and Ryder, that is. The best part of this episode and possibly the series was by far, did you vapo-rape my ex-boyfriend? Thank you for that, Kurt. And it's so much for Ryan just using the winner of the Glee Project. Why is Allie here? And though I still dislike her, she did earn major points by referring to Andrew Garfield as nerdy hot. So true. <laughs> Mr. Shu, he had two jobs to do in this wedding. One was show up. Two was get the entertainment. So logically, he handed the job over to the Glee kids and had them plan that. So, when he's busy not teaching... A U.S. history lesson on the bald eagle in the food chain? Seriously? <laughs> he's also busy not planning his wedding. Overall, the episode was fun. The adjective, not the band, I suppose. I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun, too, but most of the plot lines came out of nowhere. Though the motivations made sense within the episode, it didn't really fit in with the series. I don't really know what to do with it. Well, we can't wait to hear what you guys think. Bye! I think this... Oh, I don't know if you got cut off there, but I hope not. Yeah, when yeah, um, like <laughs> as soon as Allie shows up, Jennifer leans over and goes, so much for there can be only one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got a couple more. Here we go. Hey, Josh and Ned. It's Dante from Atlanta, and I just want to leave my three-word review for the latest episode of Glee. Here it is. Brody is a prostitute? question mark all right bye can't wait to listen to the show Uh, i know that one is gonna be i know they're gonna i just i hate they're gonna try to make him sympathetic yeah oh they're they're in the process yeah (laughs) here we got we got uh we'll get try to get to as many of these as we can hi it's jessica and i want to say i love this past episode i love seeing everyone come back together and I just had a couple questions for you. Me and my friend were talking and going to settle the debate. Do you think that Quinn is actually is this experimenting, or we might see her change team? Just wondering. <laughs> I think she's just experimenting because she's in college, but I don't know what. What do you guys think? Also, the big Rachel. Do you think it's Brody's or um, 
things. Me and my friend are leaning towards Brody just because you can't tell about a pregnancy test that soon. But and do you think she'd keep it or get an abortion? I think with Rachel and her dreams, she'd probably get an abortion. And Glee likes to be edgy. Um, oh, just fun fact. I love that they did the song from Company. I'm taking musical theater history, and we just learned about Company, and I'd watch it and know that song. So that was really fun. But <laughs> love the episode. Can't wait to hear what you guys think. And that's all. Bye. <laughs> so, Jennifer, who's the baby yes. daddy, Finn or Brody? Well, or do you, you think it's Brody because you don't I think, think it, I think it's Brody because of the timeline. But I mean, granted, we're watching her flip through her calendar and try to figure out, um, you know, her cycle <laughs> <laughs> all, you know, at the very end there. And it was while they're singing that song. So we don't know how much time has lapsed. And hmm. I don't know. But <laughs> it would be funny if we find out that the the footage of her checking her cycle and the whole song and everything was like two weeks after the messed up wedding right. which means uh which which would mean that mr schuster has spent two weeks not looking for not Emma. finding his fiance. which i guess that was a thing i mean when when uh, finn went into the teacher's lounge it yeah. did seem like some time had passed yeah but you know i thought it was odd that you know finn took the moment to be all you know you got to take a control of your life you got to find your fiance and make her you know mrs schuster and da, da, da. and i'm like um dude you know you had a little bit to do with this <laughs> maybe maybe you want i don't think he did i honestly don't think he did i think it was a catalyst right. i think it was just that like final mm. final little nudge well, well that and again will's perpetual ignoring of emma and her time of need mm. um yeah I do think that uh, it, it was just the thing that, you know, to set her off. And uh, Quinn, is she, was she experimenting? Yeah, totally or changing? experimenting. Yeah. Well, a very wise woman whom I married once told me <laughs> that uh, every, every woman is two glasses of Chardonnay away from a lesbian experience. Now, listeners that is who are I about to send me when I hate came mail to California. <laughs> Jennifer, I stole that from her. <laughs> and I stole it from uh, a, t- a, a, a DJ in California. Oh. Hey, Josh Janet. This is listener Sarah. Finally back to give my thoughts on the recent episode of Glee. <laughs> I'll admit I lost interest after sectionals, but this episode totally brought me back. And I'll let you know why with my three-word recap. Sensual is endgame. That flower scene is probably one of my top ten sensual scenes of all time. Constant sin is seriously hot. And Corey's acting all the episodes was just great. I loved their flirty scenes, and that duet was absolute perfection. Anyone who has previously said that they don't have any sexual or musical chemistry can happily eat their words. It's clear she and Brody are doomed. They can't even commit to each other. Plus, there's the fact that Brody's not only a D-bag, but also a male prostitute. I don't know what to say about the pregnancy shocker. It was pretty stupid, but I can easily bet that she's going to end up not being pregnant. As for the rest of the episode, I loved it. It was so funny, from all of Sue's scenes and to Sam trying to catch the bouquet and Tina and Kurt bickering over her obsession with Blaine. And while I don't like Allie on the Glee Project, I think it's I think it's lame that she got paired up with Artie because they're both in wheelchairs. She's pretty funny, too. Also, Jayma Mays for the freaking win. That is all. She was perfect. The Queen and Queen Hannah stuff felt kind of forced, but whatever. The rest of the episode made up for that. So, yeah, pretty nearly perfect episode. I'm a happy Greek now and a happy Central Shipper, and that's more <laughs> than I can ask for. 
that being said, I don't think the next episode is going to be just as good as this one. Sorry, Ed. I still don't think season four is the new season one. So I can bet he's going to say it in this podcast. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh yes well ed can will not be convinced otherwise so you don't have to worry about ed <laughs> he's gonna make it happen yes uh i'm gonna play one more uh pod or one more voicemail while i run to get chocolates and flowers and beg for forgiveness <laughs> hey justin and ed it's betsy from salem massachusetts i haven't been around for a while salem. but like somebody said very a uh, few episodes ago if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. And I haven't had a whole uh, many nice things to say about Glee until this episode. And the main nice thing I have to say is thank you. Thank you, writers, for giving Tina Cohen-Chang a clue. Because my PSA to all of you girls who fall for boys that are gay, you can fall for boys and you can like gay boys, but once they tell you they're gay, you cannot fawn over them. Then you're weird and strange. So... It, that storyline has been driving me up a couple of walls and back down a few more. <laughs> I didn't hate this episode. It wasn't that bad. Uh, many episodes this season, the half of this season, have not thrilled me. But this one wasn't bad. So I'm hoping, I'm willing to get back on Ed's bus that this is the new season one, maybe. Uh, so hopefully everything's looking up. Great listening to you guys. As you know, been with you since the beginning and be with you through to the end. Thank you. Have a great day. Well, that was very sweet because there's yeah. days where I don't think I'm going to be with us till the end. Yeah. And I do. I mean, that is something that we really kind of glossed over. I mean, when she Vapor said. Vapor rape. Well, <laughs> that too. But when she said, Hagatha Christie figures out the mystery or whatever it was. Oh, so good. It was really great. And so it's like, good. okay, fine. I'm glad it took seeing, you know, Kurt and Blaine together to just, you know. Just put an end to it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. And it'll be, I, I think it'll be fun to have yeah. some Will and Grace with, uh, with Tina and, and Blaine. I think that's a cool dynamic. Yeah, and I also do like that she even said it herself. She's like, you know, I just got really upset when I saw you two together. You're like soulmates. And, and, and it just, you know, made me realize this is, you know, that I'm crazy. And I was like, well, you know, that that's another that's another point in Blaine's favor you know totally. and, and totally. hopefully Kurt will come around or just do the decent thing and break it off once and for all mm. we shall uh, see I know and when that happens on Glee we'll be here to talk about it <laughs> on the Glee podcast you can weigh on on anything we said tonight uh, at gleefulpodcast at gmail.com you can email us Oh, there. You can go to the website at <laughs> GleevaPodcast.com. You can find us uh, on Twitter at GleevaPodcast. I'm at Josh Brunel. She's at Jenny B. Creative. He's at Edward Giordano. We will not have a show next week, but we will have a show the week after because Glee is uh, not coming back. Oh, that's right. Glee, so I, I believe it's weeks? American Idol. So we got two more weeks. Oh. Uh, thanks for everybody who joined us in the chat room tonight. Molly Keeper, Jen Shu 17, Luna Bell, 14, uh, Animal Puff, and Kate Moore and Art Dasher, I think Art's new. So thanks yeah. everybody for joining us in the chat room. Becky. Becky89, I see you in there. And to the voicemailers that we were unable to get to, uh, Irish Mike and I did not write, I think Allison, I might have over or might have that name wrong. But I want to thank everybody who, uh, uh, who joined it, who left voicemails. Um, and uh, email me. I will get back to you, though I am a little bit behind. But I will get back to you if <laughs> you email us. On. So uh, for the Cleveland Podcast with Josh and Ed, I'm Josh. And I'm Jen. And Ed 
in Ed Steed, I will say. Peace out. Uh, well, in Ed Steed, I will say that this is an Ellie, Gold song, Ellie Golding song called Anything Could Happen, which is freaking gold on a cracker. It's so I fun. love this song. Yeah. This is this is one of my favorite songs of last year. Um, and it made me think how fun it would be to have Glee do uh, anything by Robin, but specifically Tell Your Girlfriend or that version that you like called Tell Your Boyfriend. Uh <laughs> Which is amazing. You guys should Google Tell Your Boyfriend. Uh, that would be, uh, that would, I would love to hear that song in Glee. That's such a good song. Such a big fan of that one. Uh, all right. Uh, for the Glee Podcast, we will talk to everybody in a few weeks. Good night, everyone. Good night. Yeah, thank <laughs>